is taken from 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7, which can be found on page 238 in the New Testament section of the Church Bibles. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. For God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide because he has given of his spirit, and we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Saviour of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The second reading is from John chapter 13, starting at verse 1, which can be found on page 104 of the New Testament section of the Church Bibles. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. And then continuing at verse 33, Jesus said, Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. 
I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Emily. A very good morning to you. It's lovely to see you here this morning. I wonder when you hear that passage, what you think of or what you picture. When I think of this passage, this picture on the screen now is what I think of. Some of you might recognize it. You might be able to read the words. I realize why we are here, whispered the boy. For cake, asked the mole. To love, said the boy. And to be loved, said the horse. That's what I think of when I hear these words read. You might recognize the quotes from the book, The Boy, the Fox, the Mole and the Horse. You might even have seen it on Christmas Eve last year. It was the top of the charts, Christmas 2022, Christmas Eve. This was what the nation watched. And you might recall in the dark days of the pandemic, this was the bestseller on our bookshelves. Charlie Mackesy himself is a Christian. And he is tapping into here the biggest question of our lives, whether we're Christians or not. Why are we here? What are we here for? And of course, he's tapping into the very heart of the Christian faith that we are loved and to love. And so today, I want actually to do something a little bit different and focus on one of the verses. If you've got the Bible in front of you, page 238, that 1 John reading, the first reading, and focus on one verse, verse 19, page 238. And it's very simple and yet so profound. Verse 19, here is the words, we love because he first loved us. We love Because he, that is God, first loved us. I discovered that in 1 John, in this little letter of five chapters, 105 verses, the word love is mentioned 51 times. And in our reading today, you couldn't help but hear it as Emily read it so beautifully for us. 14 verses... Guess how many references to love, loved, beloved. Have a guess, how many? We'll play higher and lower. How many references? 14 verses, how many references? 14, 14 in 14 verses. Higher, lower, what do we want? Higher, yes, something else. Go on, give us a number. 20, more again, keep going. 30, a bit lower. I'll I'll put you out your misery, 29. 29 times in 14 verses, love, as Roland said at the beginning, beloved. And of course we hear the famous words, God is love. So if you were to squeeze this reading today and see what came out of it, it would ooze, it would drip love. And what I want us to think this morning is, this passage is almost the foundations for how we are to love. We've heard a lot, if you've been at church the last few weeks, about the command and call for us to love one another. But today, this is the foundations. How do we actually do that? How do we build a house of love? Or think of it another way. Think of the fuel you need to eat or perhaps for your car. How will you keep going in love? Well, today we'll hear the fuel. Or think about maths. 
You know when your teacher said, show your working? Today John shows us the working of why and how we can and are to love. And so today we're not focusing on sort of horizontal love, how I love you and you love me, as important as that is. We're thinking about vertical love. How God loves us. And I want us to think for a moment about something you're doing all the time but don't realize it. Breathing. Just notice you're breathing for a moment. You breathe in and then you breathe out. And you only breathe out because you've breathed in. You have to breathe in first before you can breathe out. And so think about our verse today again. We love because what happened first? What do we have to breathe in first? God's love. And then we can breathe that out to others. And so let me pray for us because for us to know more of God and his love is a work of God. And so let's pray that that would happen for each of us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, make your love more real in our lives this day we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I think the thing about God's love and knowing God's love, if you're a Christian, it's one of the most basic facts of our faith, isn't it? That God loves us. And yet, if we're honest, if you're anything like me, we know that, but we don't know that. We believe it, but we don't believe it. We live it, that God loves us, and yet sometimes we don't. And so hear those seven words again. Do you hear them? Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. And think back to the screen. Maybe we can have the picture again. Cries of love. Now, I love this picture. We actually have it on our kitchen wall. We have the book. And it seems a bit churlish to criticise the bestseller, a great story. But here's my criticism of a children's picture. It's got the order the wrong way round. Why are we here? Do you see the order? The boy says we're here to love. And then the horse says to be loved. Now, Charlie Mackesy knows the right way around. He gives talks all the time about the Christian faith and love. He knows it better than I do. But the order here is the wrong way around. Verse 19, what does it say? We love because he first loved us. So we're here, in terms of the picture, we're here first of all to be loved. In fact, the very reason of our existence is a sign of God's love. That's why you exist. And so we exist, first of all, to be loved and then to love out of that. And God loves us this morning unconditionally, wholeheartedly, and continually. That's how he loves us. Unconditionally, wholeheartedly, and continually. And so to help us focus on this, and I suppose for, for this to drop a little bit more from head to heart, for it almost to rub into our lives a bit more. You know when children are rubbing in and colouring it a bit more, so it, it colours a bit more of our life. I want us to focus on four false beliefs. Four beliefs about God and ourselves and his love that we might not say, but we often believe. And I've been helped this week by a friend who shared this with me, and I'm so grateful for him for this. And so, 
Listen to these, and then we're going to have a moment in the quiet just to think which of these resonate with us. We're not sharing it. You're not saying it to anyone. Don't worry about that. But if we're honest, when it comes to ourselves and God's love, which of these are how we operate so often? Number one, I must meet God's standard, otherwise he won't love me. Is that the false belief that so often works in your own life? Number two, I must work hard and be good to have God's love, to have God's approval. Number three, when I fail and fall, I am unworthy of love and deserve to be punished by God. Is that, is that actually what's at work so often in your own life? You wouldn't say it, but is that how we operate? And finally, number four, I am what I am. I cannot change. God can't love me. Now, I'm aware they're very deep questions, and perhaps in order to see which one you operate at, you might need to think, with others, which one do I operate on? It's not only about how we relate to God, or that's what we're talking about. It also shows in how we relate to others. So I want us to take a moment in the quiet to think of that. It might be one of them, it might be a few, it might be something else. And then we'll try and think, how does God and his love speak into these? Because as I chatted with my friend this week, we were both honest enough to say, so often this is how we live and believe. So often we don't live as though God loved us first. So a minute in our own hearts for quiet and to consider which of these reflects something in our life. So the good news is each of these are, as it says, false beliefs. They're not the truth. Even though so often we live it and breathe it. They're not the truth about God and his love and how he relates to us. And of course each of these, in their own way, have a similarity because they flip the order, don't they? Instead of saying, we love because God first loved us, it flips the order to say, God loves us because I'm meeting his standard. God loves me or won't love me because I haven't worked hard to be good, etc. So what I want to do now is to rub in God's love into those different four characteristics, attitudes that you might resonate with, that I resonate with. So the first one, I must meet God's standard, otherwise he won't love me. Well, the good news from our passage is that God knows we haven't met his standard. Have a listen to verse 10. You might want to look down, verse 10. This is extraordinary. In this is love, not that we have loved God. We haven't loved God. If you were at 9.15, you'd have, said, you'd have heard the words that we haven't loved God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. We haven't. And the relief is God knows we haven't, and so read on. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Someone else has met the standard for you and I. Someone else has stood in our place when we didn't meet the standard. Someone else has been substituted for us. And that one is Jesus Christ, the one who was a sacrifice for our sins, for our failures, for not living up to God's standard. And so we love because he first loved us. He loved us when we didn't meet his standards. He loves us tomorrow when we didn't meet his standards. In fact, the New Testament tells us he loved us before the foundation of the world. Do you see why I say this is so simple and yet so profound? In uh, the children's group with Rosie, they're thinking today as it's Lent about what it means to know God's love and grow in it. And we were both chatting in the week saying, it's so simple. And yet, don't you long to know more of that? 
That's what our children are learning today down in the hall. And so what about number two? I must work hard and be good to have God's love and approval. Well, hear the good news of verse 11. You already have God's approval. You already have God's exceptions. Do you hear what it says? Verse 11, God loved us so much. I love those words, so much. (laughs) Talk about an understatement. So much to come and be human and fragile and frail and a little baby and to grow and know all the joys and sorrows of our life. And then, of course, ultimately, to bleed and suffer and die. God loves you so much. And we can hear that, and then it can wash over us. Something I've got into with Rosanna is to try at some point in the day to look at Rosanna and say, Daddy, look at Daddy. And then to say, Rosanna, you are loved. Rosanna, you are special. Rosanna, you are precious. And she's not even two yet, but she's basically now listening and saying, yeah, 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 know that, know that, thanks, Daddy. And she won't look me in the eyes, she's running around, and all sorts of more exciting, interesting things to hear. Aren't you a little bit like that with your God, with your Heavenly Father? You hear him say, you are loved. And you say, yeah, I've, I've heard that before. Or we have our defense mechanism, so it bounces off us very powerful moment in my ordination retreat before being ordained as a deacon 18 months ago in the cathedral here in Sheffield. The person giving the talk at our retreat at Cliff College, he asked us all to come to the front and say our name and say we are loved. It was very, very hard to do. I am Simon and I am loved. That is the reality of who you are. You have the approval of God. Do you remember when God at the baptism of Jesus said, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. That's what God speaks over each and every one of his children. Augustine, the great saint and North African bishop of the 4th century, one of my own personal heroes, he said, God loves each one of us as if there was only one of us to love. Can you let that sink in a little bit? Can you rub that in a little bit to colour your life? God loves you as if you were the only one to love. What about number three? When I fail and fall, I am unworthy of love and deserve to be punished by God. We heard in the reading that fear is the opposite of love. If we're honest, often we feel or think that God must be cross with us. But what does the cross show us? That the penalty, the punishment has been paid. And so there is no punishment left. There is no penalty left. There is nothing to fear. So much so that the reading says that on the last day, when you have breathed your last and stand before your maker, you can do that, can you believe it? With confidence. We can't do that on our own. I can't stand before God with confidence and think he will accept me. The height of arrogance and presumption to think I can walk up to Almighty God and he will accept me for who I am. But, verse 10, hear the great words, hear the good news of our God this day. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be that atoning sacrifice for our 
sins. We love because he first loved us. And finally, I am what I am. I cannot change. God's love can't help me. If we're honest, we're probably a mix of all of these at different times. And when we feel hopeless and in despair, hear the good words of verse 15. God abides, God lives in, God dwells in, verse 15, those who confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In other words, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Saviour of the world, if you believe that Jesus Christ came to die for your sins, God, the eternal, the invisible, the immortal, the all-powerful God, dwells in you. So try saying to God that nothing can change. God lives in you. And verse 15 and 16, we can know and believe in that love. We can rely on that love. We love because God first loved us. We rely upon it. We have come to believe in it. Verse 16, we have come to know it for ourselves. And the amazing thing about God's love is, of course, God is not like us. And God's love is actually not like our love. If I can describe our love, it's like a tap. Sometimes it's gushing and pouring and hot. Sometimes it dribbles and drips and no longer is there. Our love is like a tap. God's love is like the ocean. The depths of the ocean have not even yet been fathomed and explored by the human race. And God's love for us springs from the reality that verse 8 and verse 16, God is love. God is Love. It doesn't say God is loving, although he is. It doesn't even say that one of God's activities is to love. It says God is love. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God who live in love. And so the Father sends the Son. And the Father and Son send the Spirit, we're told in verse 17. Verse 13, I beg your pardon. And a friend of mine once described the Christian faith as this, God is love and we are invited. God is love, that's the reality of who God is, and we are invited. We are brought in as children, as Roland said. We are brought in to live in love. We are brought in that God would abide in us. Two weeks ago, Rebecca and I had the joy of going to Lisbon. If you've been to Lisbon, you will recognize this picture. I had no idea that a statue of Christ the King towers over Lisbon. It's built and was complete in 1959. And it was inspired by the more famous Christ the Redeemer statue, which is in, of course, Rio de Janeiro. We were only there for two days, just over. There were times, of course, when we couldn't help but see the cross of Christ and his arms outstretched. We were over the other side of the water, of the river, the whole time. 
But there was two or three hours where the clouds came in and you couldn't see the cross of Jesus Christ. In our lives sometimes it's like this. In our false beliefs about God, sometimes we do not see the cross of Christ. We do not see the love that God has for us. We do not live in it as we are invited and encouraged and enabled to do. But the reality of our life is the same reality as the city of Lisbon. That Jesus Christ and his love towers over the city. Ever present, always there, even when not seen, even when the challenges of life, when the false beliefs about God and ourselves rise to the surface and cloud us, even when the circumstances of life I mean, God and his love are not seen, or not at least obvious. We love because he first loved us. And so this morning, the the question, the thing to take away in many ways, is very, very simple, and yet will take a life and eternity to grow in. This week, how can you know more of God's love? How can you know more? And it might be you want to think about those false beliefs and pray into those and unpick those and ask God to overcome those. And it might simply be like the ocean as that river surges towards the Atlantic that we would know more in our own lives of God and his love for us. We love because he first loved us. Let's have a moment of quiet, of stillness, to bring our prayers and thoughts to God, and then I'll lead us in a prayer. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so, Heavenly Father, may we love because you first loved us and may we know more of this great love in our lives in Jesus name